They bring a lightsaber to a gunfight. Talk nerdy to me. Uh, I, I'm sorry, guys. We gotta jump in. I'm sorry. What do you do? What do you mean jump in? You're gonna do a wild jump. You're gonna kill I us all. I don't have a choice. Oh, I'm no, sorry. No, this isn't good. You know what happened last time? It, we're not. I gotta go. Sorry. Uh, hold guys, on, guys. We're taking fire. Just land us near a hospital. Hold on. Like what you hear? This is a small sample of the action and excitement that await you every Monday on the Chaotic Goodness Podcast. Download us on your favorite podcast app and join us for space opera, action, adventure, and lots and lots of console cleaning. Let the chaos begin. This episode deals with the inappropriateness of racial invectives and contains coarse racial slurs. Viewer discretion is advised. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Hey, what happened? Their brains are 100% leak-proof. Talk nerdy to me. Step into my office. Why? Because you're f***ing fired. No plugs! No plugs! No plugs for Lavanda! We should thank our lucky stars. They're still putting on a program of this caliber after so many years. Now I have a message. For all you good, moral, Christian people who are complaining that breasts and vaginas are obscene. Hey, don't complain to me. Complain to the manufacturer, okay? And although Jesus told us not to judge, I know you're going to judge anyway, so judge sanely. Judge with your eyes open. What do you consider obscene? Is this obscene to you? Hello, kiddies. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Take it from someone who knows. Talk nerdy to me is the closest thing to dead air you'll find on the scare waves. <laughs> It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books, video games, toys, TV shows, pro wrestling. All the things you got made fun of for in high school. So grab your action figures, bag and board those comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to... Talk nerdy to me. Do you smell the liveness in the air? Do you smell that smell? Oh, wait. Oh, no. Don't. Nobody smell. No, Nobody smell anything. Everybody close your noses. We are live again. Second week in a row. We're, when does it... In baseball, it's three games in a row is a winning streak, right? So we can't say that we're on a live streak right now. It's a hat trick in, in hockey. Yeah. Uh, all new episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. I am... The 1995 Blockbuster World Video Game Championship Store Champion, Captain Chris. To to my left, I'm going to just go around the horn and introduce everybody as we go ahead and get going here. To my left, the man that keeps the chive in business. He is our most patriotic. I believe his... Uh, his Special hair is red, white, and blue. He is Julian. <laughs> you goddamn right. 
if I could grow anything, like I, I suffer from like the Joe Dirt syndrome to where my facial hair is really patchy. Hey, you um, and me both. But if I could shave Koran and a, a t- okay, <laughs> and now we're getting weird. If I could shave myself. Koran, yeah, and then I would attach it and dye it, and then yes, it would be uh, red, white, and blue, much like my shorty shorts. So, well, thank you for that image. Thank you for that. Uh, if you could shave Koran. Uh, speaking of, he is the most creatively named man in all of podcasting. I'm not going to make the same joke I make all the time because I've got a new one. Oh, good. He is the man whose third book, Why Do They Sell Hot Dogs in Packs of 12 When I Can Only Fit Eight Up My Ass, <laughs> is now in paperback. Koran! <laughs> I also also saw that Reddit post yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in its third printing, I believe. Uh, third printing and eighth uh, lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it only made it to uh, number 12 on the New York Times bestseller list, but we love it anyway. Yeah, they come in packs of 12 and reach number 12. I'm fine with that. See, it happens, man. It's 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 the uh, the cosmic circle. The circle of life? The cosmic circle jerk that is this show. Ugh. Uh, you know. Uh, and, of course, to my right, my right-hand man, he got really offended at me today. Something we're not going to talk about. I read that text in an angry tone. I know it. You may remember him as the lovable bartender from the 1970s hit show The Love Boat. He is Obi John Kenobi. That's Hello right. there. You're Isaac. From yeah, the we Love uh, Boat. we shot that show in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, yeah, you are Isaac from the Love Boat. I know the name of the bartender. Don't even act like I don't. Did you have to use your Google machine? No, that I did sense. not. I used my brain machine. Oh. Which means that it's broken, and it took me a little bit longer to, yeah, to think go, of it. Yeah, go lie down now. Yeah, I, I need a nap. I need a nap, you guys. So all together, dogs love cheese, humans love talk nerdy to me. That's us. We're all all together. We're talking nerdy to me. Humans love Yay. us like dogs love cheese. That's that's the joke. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a a dog? Okay. How about uh, plenty of talk about sex, poop, and mayhem? It's talk nerdy to me. That sounds that one, more like that us. That one more like us. Yes. Yeah. There's all all of the things: uh, sex, poop, and mayhem. Sometimes all at once. It's weird. That's... It's weird. Yeah, Mostly we, in that order. That's what we though. call a bonus yeah. day, though. Yeah. So uh, I'll... that's that's a Tuesday. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, for for some of us, some people on this staff, it's a Tuesday. That's also when we invade uh, cities with M Bison. But yes. uh, I went over it last week. I'll go over it quickly again. The rules for telephoning talk nerdy to me. You can call from anywhere in the United States. 270-883-1617 is our phone number, but there are rules before you just go ahead and get all call crazy before before you start. There are rules. Rule number one, you only call when we tell you to call, when there are set call times. Rule number two... Do not talk about Fight Club. No. Well, yeah. Um, Wait. 
<laughs> don't don't do it. Uh, I was late. I just I just sent a tweet about Fight Club. I was, Is that okay? I was late. No tweet tweets are fine. You just can't talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, you can't. You don't do it. I was late to the Fight Club meeting, so I only got rules three through eight. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be a great time. I'll tell you all about it later. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a gr- it's a lot of nice people, but uh, we also have a policy about telling jokes because there's uh, some people that might think they are funnier than we are. And wrong. Yeah, you're first of all We're you're just wrong. funny in general. Yeah. So if you want to tell a joke, yeah, you're not funny. Uh, oh, wait, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I actually have a soundbite for this. I have a soundbite for this, and I'm real excited because uh-huh. uh, I've been waiting for uh-huh. this. Uh, I okay. was going to save it for Koran, just for Koran, uh, but um, I'll just go ahead. If you think that you're funnier than us. That was boring. You're not funny and nobody likes you. Uh, you can call. And try and uh, try and tell us a joke. If we laugh, we give you a prize. If we don't laugh, we give out your phone number on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair deal that people should take advantage of. So if at some point uh, you think you're funny, and remember... That was boring. You're not funny and nobody likes you. Um, what, what CM Punk promo is that from? Uh, he was yelling at Big Show. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, Big Show tried to come out and, like, say stuff, and he said, you're not funny and nobody likes you. Uh, so, if you think you're funny and you want to try and make us laugh, you can, but, you know, you run the risk. Uh, by saying that you want to tell a joke, you agree to those terms. So, uh, that's our policy, and I believe that's going to be a great policy for us to have. So yeah, That's going to be fun. I know, right? For us. No one's going to call. No one's going to call. Oh, I I doubt that very highly because at some point we're also going to have the segment called Make Us Laugh where we just take calls and try (laughs) and get people to make us laugh for a great prize. But that's not now. That's not this week. That's probably not next week. That's eventually. That's down the road because we are in the midst of our newest contest, if you have not seen already. We are accepting Oscar ballots. We have uh, posted up a link to a basically a, a Google Doc, a Word document, where you can copy and paste into an email to iheartstamos at gmail.com. You can pick your winners. Whoever picks the most correct Oscar wins this year uh, wins a copy of the game Movie Buff. So uh, as long as your hey. entry is submitted, is sent in before... The Oscars starts on TV. It counts. Can you uh, can you buy that from the creator? Uh, you can, but you're going to pay more, and it's going to take longer to get there. Buy it from Amazon. Amazon.com. That's Amazon. a wonderful place. Yeah, Amazon is the best. It'll get to see if you got Prime, and if you don't have Prime, what the hell's wrong with you? Get it in two days. Why are we giving plugs for Amazon? I don't know. Amazon's great. It's not like we know anybody that works for them, so fuck them. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, we don't know anybody from Amazon. <laughs> not a soul. No, no, no one from Amazon and Flanagan's terrible at marketing. Yeah, yeah, that's a true story. So, so yeah, uh, enter in our Oscar contest. Those are the rules for uh, phone calls: two seven zero eight eight three sixteen seventeen. Only when we tell you to. Don't call otherwise, or we're going to make fun of you. We're going to talk mad shit about you. And, Are we giving uh, out their phone number if they call at an unspecified time, too? No, no, but the, uh, the the rule about a joke, if you have a joke, you have to call and you say, I have a joke, I want to tell a joke, and the rule is you can tell your joke, but if it's not funny and we don't laugh, 
we give out your phone number on the podcast. That's the rule. I feel like that's a fair rule because you're wasting our time because we're funnier than you. So we do reserve the right to call you out on air if you keep calling and we keep uh, hanging up. That's true. Like uh, if you're just annoying yeah, calls. Yeah, just because you call doesn't mean I'm, uh, our phone screener is going to put you on. We have Engineer a, Paul Frankie. Yeah, right? we have a phone screener. Uh, so if you hear um, uh, if you hear a ringtone, that's probably because someone's trying to call and they may or may not get through. I don't know. It'll be fun. I don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, that's a thing. Those are the rules. Follow the rules or don't play. And that's all we can do. So that's all we got. And so with that, I think all of our housekeeping is done. I think all of the housekeeping is over. So we can uh, we can actually start hey, the show. Wait, 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 wait. House clean. What? Who was cleaning the underwear this week? Oh, not me. You were supposed to clean your own underwear Dude, this you just, week. You just wait. flip it inside out and wear it again. It's fine. Yeah, that's that's the code. That's the way to do no, it. No, I'm not Travis. Uh, <laughs> wow. That sounds harsh. He is for no reason at all. Yeah, that was just wow. Just unnecessarily calling people out now. Yeah, that was kind of unnecessary. But I mean, I liked it, but it was kind of unnecessary. Thank you. Thank you. That was, um, you know, uh, it was just. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It just kind of came out of nowhere. It was just unnecessary roughness. I think you get 15 yards. So. Well, fair enough. Uh, so let's talk about, and, and this actually ties into something great uh, with our first topic. I know it's not my topic, but I want to introduce it anyway, if that's okay. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, lead, I'll lead into it. I don't want to introduce it, but I'll lead into it. So I found out this week that uh, when I went to Vegas, you guys know, remember when in Sept or November, I don't even know what month it was. Jeez. Uh, I went to Las Do Vegas. Do you remember when you went to Vegas? No, I was high the in whole time. In the time before time. Yeah. Uh, I went to they Vegas. called and, it back in the day. <laughs> way back in the day. Uh, when I travel, when I travel by air, I have a tablet that I like to put uh, books on so I can read during the flight so I don't have to talk to people. And so I put a book, I put actually a trilogy of books on my, my, my tablet for my Las Vegas trip. And I got through the first book and about half of the second book really, really liked it. I found out on Monday that not only was there a television show based on the trilogy, but it had been running for two seasons and was canceled. Like that day it got canceled. I think I know what you're talking about. And I was I was kind of pissed because as I was reading the book, I was like, man, this would make a great movie or a great TV show. Had no idea that it had, that it had started being a TV show three years ago. And so I finally learned about the news where they said it got canceled after two seasons. And I, what the hell? And so I was. I oh, was, was it? Um. It was, it's a it's a book series and a show called Wayward Pines. Uh, uh-huh. Fantastic book. Great show because I've now I've started to watch the show, and so you know I, I I've started to to see how the translation works. The show's awesome, but it bums me out that I missed the whole run of it while it happened, like in the wild, because I had no idea. Because I caught the book really late, so. At least you didn't have to wait for you know the big bid or uh, 
break between seasons. I know. Right now, I can just I can power through them all. So I'm I'm power. The only thing that I don't like about it is that it stars Matt Dillon, <sighs> who I just I I don't like Matt Dillon. You suck. Okay, is that an, is that an official call out? Oh, it is. Uh, at at Matt Dillon, whatever his stupid Twitter handle is. I don't think he's smart enough to use Twitter. You. <laughs> You idiot! I hate you. You ruin everything I like that you're in. He still got. Does he still have the big ass teeth from? Uh, oh yeah. There's always something about Mary. He's got the teeth and the ears. The ears. Apparently they were a set. Because they're both oversized. <laughs> they look like they're pieces that connect onto his head. So yeah, I don't like him. He ruins it. But um, uh, the the show is fantastic. And when you think you you know what's going on it totally flips the script on you and it's great. Uh, I'll give you one, one small spoiler. So you can, you know that you, if you want to invest in it or not, uh, it's executive produced by M night Shyamalan. And when he read, when he started reading the books that it was based on, he said, the only, my only condition for being involved is that the big twist cannot be they're all dead. And it's like purgatory or like the, the the gimmick is that no one's actually alive. Like everybody has to be like alive. Like it has to be like it can't be that cheap way out. And it, that's not how it is. Like everybody, it's not that everybody's dead. Like everybody thought with Lost and, and all that crap. Like it has a legit really good twist in it and a really good like, you know, overall story. Because at first it's really hard to figure out what's going on it's awesome. Like it's really, really good. And in the first season, it's 10 episodes and they go through all three books. And so there's a lot of content. There's, there's a lot to digest in all of it. So it's really good. Uh, it's a really, really good story. Uh, but I recommend everybody watch it, but it is a really, really great book adaptation. So I wanted to share that with everybody. Nice. Well, and that actually, uh, I guess, I'll kind of like throw in the. <laughs> doesn't that doesn't that go really well into our topic? Yeah, it really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one I chose for this week, and the, there's one specific movie that kind of made me think about this as a topic was, um, you know, we all, I think most of us are readers. And I know this isn't actually me calling you out, but Julian, you said you don't read a lot of books, though, right? I read a lot, just not specifically novels, right? Okay. But I read, I read every day, but it's just not specifically novels. There, the, those are few, very few and far between. Pop-up books, <laughs> hey, those coloring are books. books, mostly the uh, comment sections on Pornhub. But, I, mean, <laughs> I ain't no judgment. But hey, the, the, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about in the comments. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, some of the stuff we consider to be the war- best and worst book to movie or book to TV adaptations that there have been. And uh, yeah, some good ones. Yeah, it's I, a good topic. I mean, I have read books. It's not like I'm a fucking cretin. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, but I know I mean, I've seen your how dog many decades ago did you read The Outsiders, though? Fuck, man, that was I don't <laughs> even remember. Fuck that book. I've seen that dog-eared copy of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret that you have that you carry around <laughs> with you all the time. I've seen you carry that shit with you everywhere. <laughs> He's he's got a wobbly table at home that fits really nice under the leg. That's why it's all beat up. Yeah, I keep I keep ripping pages out to wipe my ass with it when I go camping. So oh, the the first God. thing I had, and I think uh, I might be the only one that actually has read the book, 
And I'm actually going to make a bold statement here where I think the movie is actually better than the book. And that is the uh, movie on Netflix called The Ritual. It I haven't was, seen it yet. I didn't even know that was based on I a book. The book, but the movie was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like there's spoiler-esque stuff, but that I don't want to like talk about on the show. But every change they make is for the better. Um, I, I can say this without kind of like spoiling anything. In the book, they never really give the reason. Like the other character had just passed away, and they're all there in his memory. Adding the thing with like wow. you know in the liquor store with the main character being in there when he gets murdered is. That's a huge plot point in the movie. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to think about. Again, that's not a spoiler that happens in the first four minutes. Still a spoiler. That is the opening of the movie. Technically a spoiler. Yeah, whatever. Go fuck yourself. Um, Hey, you can't use my own phrase against me, but I guess (laughs) that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I really think the ritual is, not only like a great translate or great adaptation from book to movie, but I think the movie is actually better than the book. So, yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. Cause the movie is awesome. I had no idea it was based on a book because I'm a Cretan that doesn't read a lot of books. <laughs> well, and you're just a Cretan general. You were, you're really I mean, lucky that uh, I didn't use the one intro I was going to use uh, today because this week's was going to be, they hate books. Talk nerdy to me. But <laughs> that might be next week. I mean, I'm going to try and catch up and watch that this weekend if I don't get drunk and die at the throwing axes place. But God, don't die. We can't I'm replace jump. you. We don't have the I'm budget gonna, to replace you. I'm going to piggyback off Koron then. Um, my first pick is another one that I thought was really good because of what it changed. Um, we all know, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, I have a very complicated relationship with... Uh, <clears throat> Stephen King. Oh, you might steal one of my picks. Uh, last year's It okay. was a fantastic movie because of what it changed from the novel, not in spite of, which is you know, normally when people think of best adaptation, they automatically jump to what's the most faithful adaptation. And uh, I'm really glad uh, Koran started it out by by uh, a pick where the movie's improved by changes from the novel. Cause so often people think if it doesn't just follow the novel verbatim, it's a bad movie uh, or is a bad adaptation. I think it worked beautifully as a movie because of all the things they changed, you know, the, the crap they took out, they cut all the shit about them being adults out of the book. Um, certain scenes and sewers were cut out. Uh, it just like they, they took the, <laughs> the idea and the premise in the novel and they modernized it. They moved the time frame from the fifties to the eighties. So audiences could relate to it now. Yeah. Um, no, which one of movie, those little, I think which one of the kids had the giant dick. <laughs> I've never read the book. All of them. They well, share Julian, it. I, they I don't want to give it all away for you. I want you to have, <laughs> yeah. They, it, it Next, was, uh, yeah, it was in a locked box that they all shared and passed from house to house. That's what happened. It's a weird book. It's a weird book, man. Yeah. So know. that's uh, another I, I thought was really good because of things that changed, um, not because it stuck directly to the source material. Yeah. Um, can I bounce off of that with a complimentary pick? Please do. Uh, yeah, it's, it's where I thought you were going with it, uh, because in addition to okay, in addition to um, Wayward Pines, which doesn't really count, um, another Stephen King adaptation, 
and uh, you know, I, I, like you said, we have a we have a really on again, off again affair with Stephen King, The Mist. Yeah, I yeah. like the book. Uh, I think I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I like the movie ending better. Because the book... So does Stephen King. Spoiler yeah. alert, the book just kind of ends with them just driving off like, hey, we're driving, we hope we find a town soon, and that's it. The movie ends like, holy crap, what an ending. Like, they, they, they had a really ballsy ending. I loved it. Yeah, even even Stephen King said he prefers the ending of the movie over his own ending. And if so. uh, if you want to kick the extra point and like it even better, if you buy the Blu-ray set, you can watch it in black and white. Hell yes, Which you can. Somehow makes it even more amazing. Yeah. Oh, it makes it even better uh, if you watch the movie in black. It makes the seat because that was people's big problem was that the CGI sometimes looked kind of yeah. like '90s real shiny. Remember when all CGI was like super shiny? Yeah, it looked like plastic. Yeah, if you don't go watch uh, the last 20 minutes of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie, where everything is just so <laughs> shiny. So shiny. Uh, but uh, if you watch it in black and white, it kind of takes the edge off of some of that CGI, and it makes it look really, really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's one of those that, and I'm not just saying that because I have been in the supermarket where that movie uh, takes place, uh, where the supermarket that that supermarket is based off of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've been there. Uh, it has a special place in my heart. But uh, beyond that, the movie's really, really good, and the book is also really good. But the movie was was a fantastic. Isn't the book a short story? It is. It's, it's like a, what do they call it? Like a novella? Like it's like 120 or 100. Yeah, yeah. It's real short. But it's yeah. awesome. Like, it, the book is really good, but the movie is just, is, is top notch. I love it. I absolutely love it. Watch it in black and white. <laughs> and bonus, you can also uh, watch Friday the 13th Part 6 in black and white, which has been made into a black and white. Like, someone put a black and white filter on it. With all of the homages to the Universal stuff, it looks really cool. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean to hijack that. Sorry. So I'm really going to sound like a nerd because mine's like a nonfiction, basically. Uh, but basically, the thing I picked on, obviously, I, a lot of the stuff I read about military history and shit like that. But um, I got really interested in Black Hawk Down when that came out. Um, I've met a couple of the veterans. Like one dude was a Marine who was in Mogadishu before Delta Force and or the Army moved in. And then uh, my buddy actually had Sergeant Eversman as his first shirt when he was uh, stationed in New York uh, at Fort Drum in the Army. Holy so shit. Really, Wait, yeah, so he, I got really was, interested kind he of hearing all the their... tabletop game? <laughs> sure. He was in He was in that no, tabletop. No, 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 no. Drop it. Go. Okay. No, go. Okay. No. I'm, no. Whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Mahjong? What? Red Dragon? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but ahead, uh, so I've met a couple of the people that were kind of in country and kind of had, you know, inside tracks as to the thinking of the guys that were going on when all that happened back in what was it like 93. Um, and the book yeah. Black Hawk Down is basically just a collection of articles written by Mark Bowden about, you know, the different people and different stuff in it. The book I kind of relate more to that is um, the actual book by Michael J. Durant, who is the Black Hawk pilot who went down and was actually captured. Um, he's got a book mm-hmm. called In the Company of Heroes, and it's all about his experience basically behind the scenes of what you don't really see in the movie. So it's all about the guy um, who actually worked for the UN that was part of the little village that actually tended his wounds and actually like wiped his ass and cleaned up for him for like the two or three days that they were searching for him. 
Um, it's super interesting. It's really good. It, it adds a lot of uh, clarity and it adds a face basically to the enemy. Um, it's really interesting. It's a, it's a bird's eye view of what actually happened, you know, in that uh, battle in the middle of Mogadishu and, you know, how things were before and how they got there. So um, I highly recommend it. It's really cool and it's nonfiction. So it's mostly true. Yeah, but the thing about the movie, it's, it's actually a really uh, true adaptation. The only thing they do change is they combine some characters. Like Obviously, there's a lot more than just the 13 guys in the in the platoon that you see. Yeah. So they combined a lot of the characters or a lot of the names or a lot of character traits into individual people. Like uh, Sergeant Eversman, the guy that uh, my buddy knew, wasn't as, you know, he wasn't, what's his fucking nuts, um, Josh Hartnett. So he Josh wasn't Hartnett. like the super, Thank you, yeah, yes. he was this... Uh, he wasn't a super good-looking guy, and he wasn't like a super badass. But he I mean he was like a by-the-book guy who motivated his guys, and he actually was a hero in a lot of their eyes. So, and they kind of combined him with a couple other guys, and a lot of the Delta Force guys. Obviously, they can't name their names, so they just kind of combined them together and added them a little bit of backstory. So, yeah. they've kind of fictionalized a little bit of it, but for the most part, it, it's really true about the actual events that happened. Very cool. Nice. Yeah, that's actually really awesome. You added some class to this. I do what I can. It's Instead very of hard. talking about how, monsters, how and, dare you? I know, right? Allow me to uh, declass us now. Uh. Yeah. Oh yeah, here we go. I had actually, to follow up that dick joke somehow. So. Actually, I really think this is one uh, you guys might agree with me on. Um, I think it's kind of hard to nail down comic book movies, like especially if you're trying to follow a specific story. Uh, I think one movie mm-hmm. did that really, really, really well, and. Uh, they, they caught the tone, the look, the feel, and everything from the graphic novels over to the movie. Uh, I really think having Robert Rodriguez as a director helped. Um, but Sin City is just the, the first one. The, the second the first one. one. Dog shit. Yeah, um, yeah, second one's garbage. Second one's fucking garbage. Um, hey, Dwight, but, we're just going to give you some extra makeup. Yeah. But... Like, because, you know, they all talked about it in interviews, in cast interviews. Robert Rodriguez was even like, no, we, we didn't have, like, storyboards. We had, like, graphic novels we were looking at pages from. So I really think that in the sense of, like, a true from book to movie, I think Sin City is kind of really high up there for me. Yeah, I mean, it helped that Frank Miller yeah. co-directed the movie, too. So That's <laughs> why Robert Rodriguez had to leave the director's killed, yeah. Yeah, wow. they wouldn't let him share directing credit with uh, Frank Miller, so he left the guild. Oh shit! Set up Troublemaker Studios and went on to make all those Machete movies. Machete yep. kills. I'm still machete. waiting on Machete kills in space. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's an interesting choice too, Karen. Because a lot of the times when you see comic book movies, like you pointed out, they're not direct adaptations of a storyline. They do a lot of cherry picking. It's okay. We're going to take this aspect of the character and we're going to set it visually kind of like these comics or like this artist. They, they kind of, you know, pick and choose elements of the character throughout the character's history and give yeah. you kind of an amalgam with the new story. Sin City is one of the few exceptions where they actually just verbatim are translating this storyline, these characters, here's the movie version of it. Like that and Watchmen in 300 or like you know the few examples where we can say like this comic was directly added you know this this comic this story these characters directly adapted into a film and that does yeah you hit the nail right on yeah i was gonna say you hit the nail right on there because i was about to say 300 is the exact same way i mean it's another oh, absolutely frank too. 
So, I mean, really, the only thing they did is they took away the dreads and then they put, like, <laughs> loincloths on the guys so they weren't running around with their dicks hanging out. But other than that, it's basically the exact same thing as on the comic or the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, run around with your dicks out. That's our job. That's frightening. I mean, <laughs> that's Manhattan's job. Yeah. But, um, Especially when you're Gerard Butler and you're probably swinging a mule tamer, so. <laughs> Can you sense today's theme, kids? <laughs> Julian asks about characters' dicks. It's all about dicks with the toddler have, to me. The Catholics have Ash Wednesday. I have Dick Wednesdays. It's fun. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ass Wednesday. That, well, Ass Thursdays, really. Yeah, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. It's Is there a penis on your forehead right now? When is there not? Would you like one? <laughs> I got a big forehead. It could probably take one or two. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> Who else has something? Uh, I've got a really obvious one. Uh, you're going to say But Tom I think Hall. this is a good... No. Uh, it's a good blend of it stuck close enough to the source material not to anger the the hordes of fans that these these novels have, have, have accumulated over the decades. But it recognized that you couldn't just verbatim do the books as a movie. They're too long. They're too complicated. There's too many characters. Uh, they they walked ah. a very fine tightrope of streamlining things, but staying true to the spirit of the original. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Lord of the Rings. Yep. Um, those movies work beautifully on their own. Uh, I'll even take the stance of saying I think they work better than the novels because Peter Jackson understands how a three-story or a three-act plot structure works. Where Tolkien just kind of started writing. Just, yeah, let's see where <laughs> I end up with this, which is why it takes half a goddamn book for Frodo to leave the Shire. Um, but no, the, the movies understood, okay, we've got to streamline things. We've got to move the plot along. Uh, and then you get just the amazing visual style of Peter Jackson and what a workshop. Um, it really does bring the books to life. Um, but it recognizes that we can't do everything exactly how it was there. We got to modernize things and change it up a bit. So how come the flying there things just didn't take him to the volcano? Boom. <laughs> I just want to know. Do you want the short answer or no. the God, God, no, answer? no, no, no. <laughs> I'll give you no. the, the shorter answer. <laughs> The short answer is, fuck you. Oh, I thought you were going to say because I touch myself at night. I've always heard that just, literally the because short answer I've always been night. told. Yeah. Is, everything I've always been told is just the Eagles were dickheads and they yeah. just did what they want. Uh, That's think, literally what I've been told by multiple people. I think someone told me like they just they they don't they didn't want to get involved in anything. Like they historically had just never been involved in stuff like that, like in potential conflicts and stuff. So they just they wouldn't have gotten involved. So I think that's what I was told. Whether or not that's true is another story. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. What do I know? Whatever. Well, there's. they were kind of fighting their own battle up in the north. Um, yeah. There's a great video game actually called Lord of the Rings War of the North that kind of explains that. Uh, and then the other commonly held belief is when, when, spoiler, when Gandalf dies and he says, fly, you fools, He's telling them, hey, go get the eagles and fly there. And they just don't understand what he's talking about. <laughs> Man, I figured it out, and I'm dumb. What a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it out, and I'm Because at that stupid. point, yeah, all, all, their, all the other routes they tried to take were closed and blocked off. So at that point, Gandalf was like, fly, idiots, and, and then he dies. 
Yeah, you know. <laughs> That's, That's why they're just flying it. I guess. Uh, Flanning, you got anything else? Uh, no, those were my two big ones. Um, that was... Yeah, no, that's about it. I hate everything else that's been ad- adapted. Every well, single Julian? other thing else I hate. The yeah. only thing I've got is that the thing I'm most afraid of is Ready Player One because of how much I love that book. I'm scared to death that with all the licensing issues, I'm going to hate the movie. Well, it's you not going it, to be it's gonna just like the too. book. <laughs> that's true. It won't be. Yeah, they, they have to make certain... You know, changes, but it's just licensing alone. Yeah, yeah but I mean, they're the obviously changing some weird. of the story where like characters meet way earlier than they should. So just, that's just what I'm just afraid mind, of. The first two or three drafts were written by um, Ernest Klein, so he adapted his own novel. And I and get that. That's so it's it's. I don't think it's going to be too radically different, but well, I don't know. And gonna, I trust Spielberg, but I'm just in the book. I don't yeah. know. The pop vinyls look sweet, and I'm waiting for the uh, the Ecto 88 <laughs> pop. Do. Someone tweeted that at Funko yes. and was like, "Where's my Ecto 88 pop?" And they replied back with, "You mean this?" And they just sent a picture of the Ecto one with Winston. And then er- Ernest Klein actually replied with one of the one of the Ready Player One pop vinyls in a custom Ecto 88 pop, oh, like nice. a ride on the actual yeah. car. And he was like, "No, more like this." And they just ah. Funko just tweeted back OMG. So you know you, it might be in the works. I don't know. All right. I don't know. He wrote that car off as a business expense, by the way. That's so awesome to be able to because he's do a that. genius. Because he used well, that his first book tour, he drove in that car so he could write it off as a expense. All right. Well, let's we could all learn flip, something from him. <laughs> let's flip to the other side of this. Uh, and make Flanagan happy because he said he hates every other adaptation. I, do, I, ever been. I hate every single one of um, them. Well, well, let's let's hear some of the worst offenders out there. And I've got one that I'll start with that really pains me to say this because you all know how much I love the book. But I mean, I remember like I remember I remember like sitting up until midnight waiting for this to go on demand, paying eight dollars to rent it on TV, and then. 95 minutes later, the movie ends, and I'm just like, where the hell is my John Dies at the End movie? Like, I don't know what I just watched, but it's not what I read. I think we have audio of that entire incident uh, after the 96 <laughs> minutes was over. I think uh, this is Koran after watching 96 minutes of that. Um, I believe that was it, right? Was that you? <laughs> pretty much verbatim. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. Um yeah, because it was. Re- I, I I want you to know I've tried to watch that movie three times and I can't. Yeah, it's. I've, uh, I've tried to watch it three times. The and, the first like yeah. fifteen to twenty minutes are great. Um, the opening like first scene is almost verbatim the first like the prologue in the book, but after that it just spirals out. And I, I know a lot of it was just due to like, uh, budget and time restraints, but it's just it's. It's not good. Well, that happens. <laughs> it's just, there's no other way to put it. It's just not good. So. I understand. I don't know how much you were looking forward to it. I really was. You. How much it hurt it you did. when it turned out bad. It did. Personally. I have a similar story. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Of a movie based on a book that I loved the book. 
got really excited when they announced it. I even bought a t-shirt based on this movie. The first from one of those shirt-a-day websites, the first one I ever bought, was based on a little book called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Love yeah. it. Great book. Great book. Great here's book, the, yeah. Here's the thing. I'm actually, I even, I like the movie for different reasons, but it's a very, very bad adaptation of the book. Because if you're if you're watching it and you're expecting an adaptation of the book, it's terrible. That sucks. And like I can enjoy the movie on like on a certain level. Like it's not a good movie. Like it, it it's not good. Like let's just let's get that on the table right now. It's not a good movie. There are parts that I really enjoy. I still love the novelty of it. But it's a horrible adaptation of the book. Swing and a miss. Nice try. But that being said, like, I do agree with you. I like the movie for completely different reasons than I enjoyed the book. If it wasn't based on a book, it would be a, like, I think people would like it a whole lot more. I think if they just like took that idea and they were like, hey, you know, what would be awesome if Abraham Lincoln was a vampire hunter and then they just like did the movie. It would have been great. But because you have that source material and you're kind of referencing it, it's kind of heartbreaking how different and how. Like like the good parts of the book that they just let go. That they're just like, nope, never mind. Out. That character, out. So, yeah. Uh, on, on a certain level, I find the movie enjoyable. I own it, because of course. But it's a horrible adaptation of the book. Nice try. John, On those Julie. lines, I've got I've got one that this will dovetail nicely off of what Flanagan just said, and this is going to be kind of controversial because um, nerds love this movie, including me. But if we're talking about adaptations, Blade Runner is a god awful adaptation of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? How bad is it? Guess what term doesn't even appear in the story? Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Replicant. Blade Runner. Oh. <laughs> no, that's not good. Yeah, Blade Runner doesn't. Later versions, uh, once the movie came out, started kind of working its way into it. But no, the original version does not have the term Blade Runner at all. The original is is the, the novel. A private eye investigating a, a, a murder by some replicants in order to get money uh, to buy a, it's like a sheep or something? Or no, to keep, he, he has a herd of sheep in an apartment building um, and he's trying to get money to, to tend to them. So his wife can buy uh, emotion drug stuff because that's how you feel emotions in this time period is you, you take a drug and like, Oh, I want to feel joy. And you take the joy drug. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. Uh, I'm not Make sure to it's ask a bad her thing. permission first. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad thing that the, the movie took some of the ideas from the novel and did its own thing with it. But if you, if you read the book and then watched the, the movie or vice versa, if you watched the movie and then went to read the, you'd be like, what the hell is this? Like, I can see kind of where they got this from, but yeah, they're, they are night and day. Um, yeah. Uh, you mean that wasn't part of the, does the Blade Runner book, what was it? The, do, do they dream of electric? Does that include the term Harrison Ford? That was prominent in Blade Runner. I don't remember the words Harrison Ford being spoken. Well, then it's trash. Burn it. Burn it. It's trash. 
Sorry. No, it's cool. You're typing. I understand. Yeah. You're texting or something because it's more important than the show. I understand. We're live. I can't edit it out, John. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's... uh... I was just I was flipping through my copy of the Andrew Andrew oh. Electric Sheep oh, Trust. You have Harrison Fork showed oh. up anywhere. I didn't. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, because I was sorry. that kid in, in, in junior high. Yeah, sorry. Please uh, my like the the, <laughs> the the basic plot of of the character of Rick Deckard hunting down the the escaped androids is the same, and um, they're being a low IQ guy who gives the android some help like the bones of of the movie are in the book but it it's, it's, takes a lot of liberties in the film so yeah it happens for talking just adaptation yeah yeah again i'm not saying Blender is a bad movie i'm just saying it is it is um there's a great uh youtube guy uh called the dom who does a story called Lost in Adaptation, uh, which is exactly what we're talking about now. He looks at the book and the the films based on them and compares them, and he has a clause called the in-name-only clause, which is one of those, okay, I can't really compare these two because, you know, in this case, the book or the movie uh, is is an adaptation in-name-only kind of deal, where, you know, like they took the title, like Starship Troopers, great movie, great book, but terrible adaptations. Uh, because they just basically took the name from the book and made it into a movie with a story that doesn't really resemble the book. So there's a plug and uh, yeah. Because, you know, we normally have that rule. Uh, yeah, we do. We heard in the beginning of the show, we have that rule. And, uh, uh, is that anger Will Sasso? Is he going to... But sometimes we... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Sasso. It's cool. Sometimes we make a, uh, his name is El Bago Crap. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, sometimes we make exceptions for stuff that, uh, we make exceptions for exceptional things, I think is the rule. I don't know how it works. I just didn't want to steal that term and not credit it to the person I stole it from. So. No, it's cool. Uh, you know, it's whatever. So I've got two more on my list of, please of accept, uh, by the way, yeah. please, please accept my apology for earlier. It's okay. I love you. I appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I've got a few. I've got a couple more. Well, don't all talk at once. Well, I mean, Julian, Julian, you got anything? I mean, I was trying to think of some other ones, but there's not really been a whole lot I've read that uh, I hated the adaptation. I mean, I've liked some of the differences in Fight Club. I think the book ending was better than the movie. I thought it was interesting, um, but I thought the book would have been a more interesting kind of concept. No, I have nothing else to contribute. Don't let the pigeon <laughs> drive the bus. No one does. Uh, exactly. it's, a, it's a children's book. Never mind. Oh, okay. God, you people. Get some culture. Sorry. Sorry. It's all about this pigeon that wants to drive this bus. It's great. Is the pigeon named Jeff Goldblum? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's not allowed to drive. No. And, and the, <laughs> you should have seen my reaction at the Super Bowl. We have this running theory that Jeff Goldblum never drives. I feel like that that's the backstory behind this is Jeff Goldblum and everything. He's always driven by somebody else or like in a, in a plane. He's always like, he's never the pilot. He's always the passenger. He never drives anything. And at the Super Bowl, you know, there's that, whatever that, I guess it's a Jeep commercial and he's, he's driving the Jeep away from the, the dinosaur. And I got pissed because I was like, Jeff fucking Goldblum doesn't drive. And like, I was, I was pitching a fit because I was, uh, it goes against everything that is Jeff Goldblum. 
So that was a bad adaptation of Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, it was a bad adaptation <laughs> of Jeff Goldblum because Jeff Goldblum does not drive. Period. You drive him around. So Karan, what weird. else you got? Uh, to kind of piggyback off what you said, and what um, I'm just gonna throw the title out there, like Wanted. You took Ooh. the number one one off my list. Yep. Yeah. The fucking movie, like compared to the comic, <sighs> it is night and goddamn day. In name only. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely an in name only. I, I'm still fighting against that because I ask people, you know, when people, I, I have people that I try to get into comics and whatnot. Uh, a coworker of mine was kind of getting into him. I was like, you should read one. He's like, yeah, the movie wasn't that good. I'm like, no, forget the movie. Please <laughs> forget the movie. Just read the book. It's so much better. It's, yeah, I, I don't. That was a fucking hack job of an adaptation. I don't know what <laughs> happened with that. It wasn't like a rights thing because they bought the rights to the novel, and the novel doesn't have any other copyrighted characters in it. Like it, it. Uh, I, I don't. The only thing I think of is that it was it was before the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe thing, and comic book movies weren't quite that cool, so they tried to make it just a generic action movie. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So the 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 plot in the movie is. They're these group of assassins that can curve bullets by throwing the gun in a certain direction when they shoot it. Because you can do that, right, Julian? What's that? Julian's asleep. You can curve a bullet if I just like snap the gun really quick as I'm shooting it, right? That, Only if your name's Wesley point. when you and you're fucking <laughs> Charles Xavier when you should have been Eminem. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm like gets, angry yeah. tweeting at this fucking cocksucker. I'm sorry, I got distracted. I'm really, really sorry. Since you brought him up, can I ask a question? Can I ask my deep thought of the day? Yes. Okay. If Charles Xavier can move anything with his mind, how come he doesn't move his legs? He's not telekinetic. He's telepathic. Damn it, you got me. Yep. So proud of Julian. Never mind. Never Jean mind. Gene Gray's the telekinetic, yeah. I retract. I can ask my ninja question mm. instead. Since you already asked that? My ninja question. No, my ninja question is a good one. What if every country in the world has ninjas, but Japan's are the, the worst since <laughs> you've seen them? What if, like, every other country is just so good at ninjaing that, like, we never see their ninjas? Have you Discuss. seen Ninja Assassin? There's no way that they're the worst. <laughs> well, we're, I, the, the I guarantee Canada's ninja, ninjas are worse than Japan's. I would love to see Mexico's ninjas. Switzerland's are a bunch of lazy fucks. They just sit I there. Just, yeah. I, that, that's all I want to know is, is what if every country has ninjas, but... Japan's are the only ones we've ever seen because they're the worst. Anyway, discuss. Go ahead. No, we'll not discuss that, but what's next? Random thought. Sorry, stream of consciousness. <laughs> I was saying something about wanted and I forgot what it yeah, was. Yeah, wanted about. sucks because you can't curve bullets. Yeah. Well, idiots. and just like you said, it's, well, no, it's, okay, and I, it's an adaptation in name only because the, the graphic novel is fucking Tommy Lee Jones, Eminem, and uh, Halle Berry, and then the movie is that <laughs> dog shit that we ended up with. Well, the... So yeah, the premise of the movie one is is there's this secret group of assassins that are given like their their kill orders by God through some kind of weird split loom uh, fucking thing. Uh, it, it makes no sense. It's as dumb as it sounds. The premise of the graphic novel that it's supposedly based off of is that, hey, back in the 80s, all the supervillains uh, decided we're tired of losing and we outnumber all the good guys like fucking 12 to 1. Let's just kill them all. So they not only killed all the superheroes, because, you know, supervillains are all, like, crazy magicians and super-powered aliens and all that kind of stuff. So they band together, and they not only killed off all the superheroes, they erased them from existence. And then took over the world. 
So the world that we live in is actually run by the fraternity, which is a bunch of supervillains. And into this world, Wesley Gibson finds out that his long-estranged father is actually basically like Deathstroke and Deadshot put together. He's like the world's deadliest assassin called the Assassin. Creative. Um, and his, yeah, someone kills the Assassin. Wesley inherits his title, his powers, his fortune, and that's where the story goes from there. It's amazing. Track down a copy. The, the novel, the graphic novel is so amazing. And the movie is god fucking awful. Yeah, that movie is not good. It is cool when he takes the keyboard and like knocks the fuck out of Chris Pratt, though. Because <laughs> nobody knew who the fuck he was, and then he's yeah. just some right, yeah. asshole getting clocked. And like, dude, that was actually kind of badass. <laughs> so all downhill from there. Yeah. Any other bad adaptations? I got one more. Go. You know it's bad when not only an adaptation completely changes all the characters, but changes genres too. Oh, shit. Complete and total change. Like, what starts out as what should be a great superhero coming-of-age movie turns out to be a Mark Wahlberg football movie. I'm talking Invincible. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not based on the same thing? Is that not based on the same I'm thing? I'm trying to start a slow clap for you. <laughs> that was awesome. Sorry, no, that, that was just a joke. That's not really a, a pick of mine. I don't have any more, but I, I, I really wanted to use that invincible joke. Hey, I've hey, got one that more. was a joke that was on top. <laughs> I'll give you points for that. I'm, I'm finally at least on topic. <laughs> well, what do you, so you got, Julie? That. So you talking about one, it actually reminded me of another one um, where it's just, it's obviously an adaptation of name only. So it's, Evidently, like Men in Black, like the graphic novel that it's based on, there's no neuralizers. They just take people out and murder them. There's no, uh, yeah, there's no erasing memories. They just murder any witnesses, and that's how the, you know, the super secret alien group like stays hidden. They just murder everybody, and it's super violent. And it's it's an adult themed fucking graphic novel, yeah, and then we it's get not a like, comedy. yeah, then we get a fucking Will Smith dancing, getting jiggy with it bullshit. And well, in its own right, when it came out, it was a powerhouse. Everybody knew the fucking dance and Will Smith was unstoppable and Tommy Lee Jones was fucking hilarious as the grumpy old man. And it was cool. And I like both of them independently, but you know, there's just no comparison. Like they, they're not even, they're not anywhere close to being the same thing. Hey, it's okay. Cause they're going to reboot it with Chris Hemsworth. Yay. And Jonah Hill. Yay. <laughs> Don't act like you still don't know that dance, Julian. You know I you do. I can probably still do it. I probably can. You the, get you jiggy do. with a dance or the yes. men in black dance? So it's two different dances. I yeah, was confused. No, both. Well, it's the same type. It's the same album, I think. Yeah, it was. Who fucking if cares? <laughs> Will Smith cares. <laughs> I know what we're listening to on the next road trip, Koran. Dear God. Because I found my copy of Big Will's now. The sound of me jumping out of your moving car. <laughs> Mother of God. <laughs> All right, next topic. I don't even know who the fuck is next, but whatever. I don't know, whatever. Uh, you know what it is. Is it mine? Yes. Uh, sure. Let me, see, let, me see if I, let me see if I can pay with this. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so. so okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, no, go, take it. One more time. <laughs> yeah. One more time, hold on. Mm. Okay. All right, so 
You want me to play yeah. the Men in Black song right now while we wait? Yes. You want me to? Because I'll I'll load it up. Like, don't think I won't. Like, I basically, will... until tonight, we haven't talked about music very much at all, other than me rambling about Prince and uh, me like spending a fortune on Metallica tickets this week. But... I will I will do this. He was actually talking to. <laughs> Instead of like leading up to, you just no. interrupted. Well, it, it, the, the YouTube loaded faster than I thought. I apologize. The YouTube went really quickly. I'm sorry. He paid his cable bill, so the I fucking did. internet worked. They out. actually got my payment this month, so like my internet's blazing fast. My apologies. Continue. I'm sorry. Music. It's all good. Yeah. So we talk a lot about music. Actually, that's a lie. We never talk about music. We're always talking about movies or video games or books or whatever. <laughs> But I wanted to talk about, um, because of my mild obsession with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, the great music that I, I think it's got a great score and everything else in it, but I wanted to talk about all the the video games we grew up with and all the <clears throat> the scores and soundtracks from video games that made a, a major impact in our lives for whatever reason. Okay. I like it. I've got two that are I've really, really four. good soundtracks. I've got two, really. Sort of three, really, but uh, I've still got four. So yeah, yeah, we heard you the first time. All right, fuckheads, and you got the most. Why don't you go first? Uh, the first one's a fucking layup. No, though. fuck that. It's your topic, Julie. You go. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like it's a cop out because I keep talking. It seems like I only ever talk about two video games. I talk about like Horizon Zero Dawn and fucking Grand Theft Auto Vice City, <laughs> and I'll fight anybody that says Vice City doesn't have the best soundtrack of any video game in the past thirty years. Flock of seagulls, baby. Yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, it was it was one of those very first games um, that really felt like a true sandbox open world game. You could go around and do whatever. You could change the fucking radio stations when you're banging hookers. It was uh, <laughs> just like real it was life. a test. Yeah, I mean, it's it was fantastic. It, it was mind blowing at the time. Now it's become commonplace. But it was just one of the first games that I remember that actually had a user controlled uh, radio stations. And I just thought it was a great innovation. And all the music that I grew up listening to now I got to kill people too. It was fantastic. <laughs> Well, to jump on that, the entire Grand Theft Auto series is great because just the simple fact of of music on the radio stations, and especially if you go to like the talk uh, radio stations, does such a great job of building up the world you're playing in. Like it's it's really something that I think uh, gets overlooked is is how important music was in that game, not just for like the the tone and feel of the games, but just for how much it helped create that world. Um, and that that premise was stolen wholesale by another great game series um, that was also on my list uh, that I'll not say because I have a feeling Flanagan will probably get to it. Ooh, maybe. I got two, and they're both from the 90s. And, okay, well, then I'm going to go ahead and pick up on this one. <laughs> uh, Fallout, Fallout 4. Ooh, yes. Um, for almost the same reason. Uh, yes. Where you can change your radio stations and... and uh, I forget there's, there's an entire uh, series of like 1940s heroes. Uh, I forgot the name now. but yeah but the, so not just what music are you listening to but like the chatter going on in the world you know they use the same different games same idea of using the radio to help flesh out and expand and build the world you're playing in. I thought that was her both those games did a great job of that yeah, you'll hear like other. And I can't communities. get the radio fever out of my head. <laughs> you'll hear like other communities and other settlements, um, you know, broadcasting stuff that you run into later. 
the Fallout series does a great job of that because, uh, like, Fallout 3 with uh, President John Henry Eden uh, does a fantastic job of building that world that when you finally, I don't want to say come face-to-face with John Henry Eden, but when you finally meet uh-huh. John Henry Eden... Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it helps build that character and that whole thing before you even get there. So yeah, Fallout, phenomenal job. Good pick, good pick. It's a game soundtrack I would actually go purchase. You have my walrus of approval because I hate seals. So <laughs> well played, well played. Um, my first pick is one that it was the first time that I ever really like noticed music in a game and it's kind of a cheap pick but I'm going to pick it anyway Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 okay well my first one was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater hey so. <laughs> uh, I love yeah like I still remember every song that was on the soundtrack for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and I pretty much know all of the, the, the lyrics still so good and it as kind of a cheap pick as that is, because it was pretty open world and there wasn't a whole lot, you know, other than just skating around and listening to the music, the music was so perfect and it went hand in hand so well. Just overall, everything about it was great. And a special mention to um, my favorite of the Tony Hawk's pro skater clones, uh, Dave Mira BMX. Also had a great fucking soundtrack. Loved (laughs) it. Not that BMX XXX one, uh, but the Dave Mira, like Dave Mira's pro. Which you enjoy, but for different Yeah, totally different. <laughs> totally different. Uh, R.I.P. Dave Mira. <laughs> yeah, that was so sad because I, I heard about that and I was like, but his game, I loved it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, fantastic soundtrack. The only thing that bums me out is they remastered it uh, where you could get it on, uh, I think PS4 and Xbox one, like you could download it through their, uh, like the downloadable games, but all the soundtrack is, is not the same. So it, it doesn't count. Does There's not count. actually a really good, um, it was on original Xbox called Tony Hawk's pro skater two X, oh. which is both soundtracks and every level from the first two games oh, with wow. a couple extra bonus ones. And it's, it's, a. Uh, pretty fucking awesome that's really cool i did not even know that that existed i didn't either until my cousin bought it so oh, need to go to that uh that game store in town that i'm not supposed to talk about that uh, has like every game that we went uh we went there during vet city con yeah 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 that has like every game i don't know Let why me know if they have that one game still uh, i'm not allowed to talk about i don't know why i'm not allowed to name them by name but uh which 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 one that one that uh Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I need to go back there to see if they've got that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X because what a great soundtrack. Power Man 5000. Uh, Goldfinger, the, the Suicide Machine. Oh, so good. Uh, yeah, the Suicide Machines actually from that game became one of my favorite bands in high school. Uh, but, okay, so aside from Tony Hawk, yeah. I will go ahead and my other first choice we'll go with is really the first first person shooter that I thought nailed a score and atmospheric music well and I I feel cheap still kind of saying this but it's Halo boo this man um yep no that soundtrack was 
fucking epic. Yeah, the 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 first one specifically, like the boot up screen music, all the way to like the first time they hand you a gun and the first time you uh, fight with a covenant and everything. It's it was really, I think, the first first person shooter to me that really like where the music matched the atmosphere. Like Wolfenstein just kind of had the same music going throughout the entire game. Doom was a Wolfenstein clone, so same kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, I just. It was, sorry. No, go ahead. It was, it was the first first time I remember playing a game where the music felt cinematic, where it yeah. felt like, you know, when, when big moments are happening in any of the Halo games, really, um, they cue up that music. And, you know, you're not consciously thinking about it. It's in the background. You're not really aware of it at the time, which is exactly what music and movies are supposed to do. Uh, you're not supposed to be aware of it. But, yeah, it gets you pumped up that, you know, the end of Halo 1, when you're in the 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 chupa thingy, uh, you know, trying to drive off the ship before it blows up, and that music reference. just starts rocking. The chupa thingy, uh, yeah. Oh, somebody got chupa thingy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am Griff, not... chupa thingy. How about that? <laughs> I am not gonna miss a red verse blue reference. <laughs> so the man know knows his red versus blue. Uh, we had uh, plenty of games that have done that since then. Uh, but I think Halo was the first game. It may not have been the first game ever, but it was the first one that I was, you know, noticed that uh, they treated the music the same way a major motion picture, you know, a, b- a big action movie would. So wait, with did you boo me because I took your choice? That, Is that, that why you booed me? I didn't boo you. Oh, well, Flanagan booed me. I said I that was my you, number yeah. two. Uh, yeah, uh, I booed you just because it's fun. Oh, well, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, Halo's still cool because they got... <laughs> Breaking Benjamins on the Halo 2 soundtrack, so that's kind of cool. I do enjoy me some Breaking Benjamin. Hell yeah. But I mean, I like what you say, though, about like it creates the atmosphere, like kind of in the background. Like, I hate to keep harping on it, but like every time the musical triggers in Horizon Zero Dawn, like, you know, shit's about to go down. And it's the same way in Metal Gear Solid. Like, yeah, there's 48 minute fucking cutscenes, but whenever you're getting close to a boss fight or something like that, the mood changes, the lighting changes. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Snake Eater. You climb a ladder for like twelve minutes, <laughs> and there's like the Snake songs like Eater. yeah, exactly, forever. Like the old James Bond kind of thing. Yeah. Like it was so fucking cool, and like they just played all this weird music in the background that really set the ambiance for the scenes that you're getting ready to take on. So Snake Eater. I won't pull that one up on YouTube. <laughs> you're welcome. I wish you would. I, mean, I really I can. wish you would. I can, but I feel like do it. That's, uh... I dare you, motherfucker. I feel like people are going to hate me for it, but uh, all right, going to the YouTubes. Here we go. Oh, look, right. Will Smith is still up there. Kick-ass <laughs> uh, dress and black. Yeah, like, don't, if you Remember don't think that. I will. This gives you a face-to-face and make contact. Tell her about me. Emma. I'm going to stop now. And... <laughs> there it See? is. Like, you think I won't? No, I mean, uh, I don't think anyone was doubting whether or not you actually yeah. would. Let's climb ladders, people. <laughs> this is better than the actual James Bond theme. <laughs> if you see a Suddenly ladder, my arms, you, climb it. My arms and legs are just moving in an upward motion. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> see, yeah, it's it's a thing. Well, here, j- j- just turn it down. Let's just talk over this. Yeah, we can just talk over. All right, there we go. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah. John. What's, so what's what, next? What's your, what's, your, what's your next one? 
Uh, my number one choice is it's a really easy one, but, but it's one of so when I think of music and games, I'm a big movie guy. Shock, I know. Yeah. Uh, so when I think of of themes and music, I, that's what I think of is is like the big theme songs. I, I think of like Star Wars, Superman, uh, uh, um, Elfman's Batman, like the music that is associated uh, with certain characters, movies, whatever. And for me, there's lots of cool iconic video game music, but for me, there's only one iconic video game score. Even in 8-bit, it's huge and dramatic. I like that music. It's a lot of into a movie someday. And I'm, of course, talking about the theme from Zelda. I say from Zelda? Okay. The theme from Zelda? Yeah, I think that's what I said. I was going to say the theme from Mario. Because that's been... Can you hear me now? Apparently I'm choppy. I'm uh, you're coming in better now, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, the theme from Zelda, is that what you went with? Okay, okay. Okay, yeah, nope. I was to say, uh, yeah, there's only one from Zelda. Yeah, I mean, it, it was epic in eight. Hello? <laughs> Paul Frankie, get in here. Paul, what are we not paying you for? Yeah, uh, no, right. We're not paying any of us. That's what happens. This is what happens when you have free I'm, labor. I'm better now? There he is. There he hey. is. Hey. Better now? Yeah. yeah. No mistakes. You, yeah. It's cool. Like, stop recording in your bathroom, please. <laughs> What, hey. what, what was it from, like, Married with Children? Fox viewing positions. We need, like, the, uh, <laughs> the talk nerdy to me broadcasting positions. <laughs> Everybody gets, like, the tinfoil hats and the um, hangers. Metal hangers. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of the word hangers. And I was trying not to make a, a reference to Julian's van and hangers. So, um, oh. you're welcome. What the fuck? I thought you were going to make an abortion joke. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, that's oh, what okay. it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> Julian, get the metal hangers out of your rolling abortion van. Get them into talk nerdy to me broadcasting positions. I don't know why, but I really thought you meant like beef jerky hangers. Like I was curing <laughs> meat in a van. I don't know why. I didn't. My mind went to beef jerky and not abortion. <laughs> so what else uh, is new? Julian's mind went to hanging meat. Anyway, uh, the theme right, from so Zelda. The theme from Zelda, John. Please explain to us why it's one of the best. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how much got I don't, I don't know how much got through before I started cutting out, but uh, it, it was epic back in the '80s when it was 8-bit. It's only gotten better as you know music and games has has gotten better and evolved, and you know this big orchestral theme. Um, Big orchestras doing versions of it, and yeah, every game comes along, adds a little something to it. But that that iconic, um, you know, few, five six note uh, stays the same in every single Zelda game. You know, as much as it changes from Zelda game to Zelda game, the music that theme is always the same in every game, more or less. Uh, and that's uh, that's what I love about the Zelda theme is it's instantly recognizable as oh that's Zelda. Yeah. I mean, even across like that cartoon that we usually don't talk about um, and, you know, other media like that theme is like when you hear that, you know, that that's the Zelda theme. That's the Triforce of Power. Well, excuse oh, me, princess. Shut God. the fuck up. God. We're going to get struck by lightning here. Well, <laughs> excuse. Uh, that's a soundbite I need on the, the soundboard for the show. I mean. Somebody I think that remind goes... me of that tomorrow. 
I think that just goes with like a lot of the you know the popular Nintendo games. Like they 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 just lightning kept striking in the same place because they just kept knocking out awesome scores with you know eight bit MIDI keyboards and making awesome soundtracks to games. So yeah, I mean there's there's plenty of great classic themes, but for me Zelda was always a favorite. Like you know Mario, you can say all the same things about it. It's it's iconic. It's instantly recognizable. It's it's you know they keep bringing it back, but. I always like the Zelda theme more. I don't know why. I guess it's just more cinematic. Yeah. You because you you're a you know, I, I you're can... a fucking hipster. That's why. <laughs> I mean, he okay. didn't say like the theme from Nintendo's track and field. Yeah, that would be hipster. <laughs> like Zelda's almost as mainstream as you can go with Nintendo. I mean, he wasn't like, hey, remember almost. that Duck Hunt theme? That was the bomb, yo. <laughs> remember hey, the E.T. theme? That was fucking sweet. Flanagan, Flanagan, do you remember the second level in Bomberman 2? Oh, that music Jesus. spoke to me. Yeah, did it, it fucking just spoke to me. Uh, the the music from Ninja Gaiden, uh, really, really... Ninja Gaiden. Because that's that's how it's pronounced, Gaiden. <laughs> that's, the, that's the actual... If, when you translate it from Japan. And I know that because one of their crappy ninjas told me. <laughs> Because I found him really easily. There was, there was a resident back in the day who insisted it was called Ninja Gaiden. Did you punch him in the dick? Somebody probably did. Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyone got anything else? No, I might have uh, helped. Yeah. No. I've, I've, got, I've got one more that I think Flanagan will probably at least agree with me on. Uh, the Last of Us. Yes. Yes. Uh, you want to... Yes. John, you you want to talk about cinematic music in movies or just cinematic games? The The Last of Us is probably just like I don't know how Naughty Dog just continually gets better as they keep making games. Like Crash Bandicoot was awesome, Jack and Daxter ruled, Uncharted was amazing. It's like it, it, you know, you and Travis always talk about uh, Marvel doing their victory laps. Like I literally feel like Naughty Dog releasing material is just like. Well, time to hit another Grand Slam. Turk! Oh, look, it's out of the park. But yeah, the music in The Last of Us takes an already overly emotional and just fantastic game and adds so much to it. And um, it's kind of like what we were talking about with uh, Halo and stuff like that. You don't realize you're feeling these emotions because it's a game score. It's designed to just be in the background and just be uh, just kind of noise and stuff you're not really paying much attention to, but it adds so fucking much to that game. That is, I agree 1000%. It was one of those that uh, when I bought my PS4, it came with it. And it it's one of the best pack-in games if you are a fan of, you know, the, the single-player, you know, story-driven type of game. Everything about it is, is just awesome like the the writing the character design all that stuff and the music is such a big part of it and it's so good at, at the end of the ps3 <laughs> xbox um 360 we slash wii u generation um ign did a review of what they considered to be the best games of that generation and when they're literally the only thing because they i think they put the last of us at like two or three and they were like this is not only one of the best games of this generation. They were like, this is literally probably just one of the best games ever made. Truth. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're, it's one of those like, 
if, if you're willing to put in the time and you're willing to put in, you know, the attention, you're not going to find a better storytelling experience no. in a game. What a great, great game. Love it. I had one more. I just realized, actually. All right, what you got? Uh, so, remember MotorStorm, like that fucking off-road racing game that was a launch title for the PS3? Hell yes, Anybody? I do. That game was fucking awesome, and that, like... I don't know why, but I just I looked up the soundtrack just now, and it was basically I really remember like the game wasn't that great, but the music was fucking awesome because I mean, the obviously you had Breed from Nirvana was basically the the main theme of it because that was on all the commercials and everything, but I mean it still had Every Time I Die, like Curve, uh, Primal Scream, Pitch Shifter, Pendulum, Queens of the Stone Age, Reverend Horton Heat, and Slipknot all on the soundtrack. So it was just I was tired of all the hip-hop racing games and then this one came out and it actually had like monster magnet playing in the background I was like, this is my kind of fucking game so it's it's redneck as hell you're just driving through mud and like it's basically road rash like off-road you're knocking out dudes on motorcycles and shit and you're listening to fucking heavy metal it's awesome it does not get any better than that no 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 now, damn right. And I mean, it, I would say Burnout Paradise, but it only includes that one song, Paradise City. All the rest of them are kind of forgettable. So, does not <laughs> even come close. Uh, hey, hey, Flanagan, if we're going to switch subjects, yeah. Um, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you want to piss people off? Yes, I do. Then let's talk about our next subject. All right. So, let's talk about uh, people I hate. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah, like the, the, I think. Bring it back was... an old segment. I know. Right? Wake uh, me up when it's my turn to talk, because I got a feeling you're going to go for a while. Well, no, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for a really long time on this one. This all spawned from. Remember, way back, get get your way back machine. Not that far back, but remember when uh, we talked about does George Lucas get an unfair rap? And we asked, you know, he gets a lot of prequel, yeah. a, a lot of hate for the prequels. And we asked, is that unbalanced based on the affection that he does or should get for actually creating the universe, blah, 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 all that stuff. Somebody made a really great point when they said it would be a lot worse for him if he created Star Trek instead. Because the Star Trek fans are so much worse. Well, then that just begs the question, which fandom is the worst fandom? And by that, I mean, my your criteria for the worst can be anything. Either, you know, they're never satisfied with what they get. Uh, they, they're really needy about wanting stuff. Um, you know, they, they hold up progress by you know, doing stuff that the studio hates and then, you know, whatever. Like, it can be anything. They, they don't go to support stuff. Your criteria for the worst can be anything. Why don't you start us out? Oh, man. Uh, I will I will uh, take a weird one. Okay. I'm going to take a weird stance because the, the fandom is not huge. But um, I, I have two that are that I feel are the worst. Okay. And they're kind of niche, but uh, the first one's super niche, second one's not. Uh, Friday the 13th fans, you're mm -hmm. kind of the worst. Because you bitch about everything. You bitch about how you want a new movie. But every time that a movie, like, you start to hear about a movie, you immediately hate it. 
and you, you you shit talk everything. They 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 shit talk everything from the New Line years. Uh, if you talk to Friday the Thirteenth fans, they consider the Paramount years, which is the original Friday the Thirteenth through Jason Takes Manhattan, as the only ones that matter. And Jason Goes to Hell, Jason X, Freddy versus Jason, and the reboot don't count. I thought the reboot was awesome, and a lot of people hated it. I hate you for not making it more successful to add a sequel. Because we should have had at least one more, probably two more. We're oh, now, definitely two by now. We're in, we are now officially in the longest point between two Friday the 13th movies ever. And the longest one was Jason Takes Manhattan to the final Friday, I believe. Jason, I believe... <laughs> No, no, it had no, to it be. Was, it was Jason, Jason X. goes it was to, to hell Jason, to X. Jason yeah. X. Yeah. So that was the longest point. Now we we've eclipsed that because people just can't go support the movie because the reboot came out. Everybody shit all over it. I liked it. I liked most I liked of it. it. Um, I liked it. Yeah. See, and that's the thing is like if you tell that to people who consider themselves like hardcore Friday the Thirteenth fans, they call you all sorts of names and they're really really mean. Uh, but they're the first ones to also say. Oh, what's up? Go ahead. Can I confess something real quick? Yeah. The the, the remake is yeah. the only Friday movie I own. I mean, I can change that if you want, but. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, I'll buy <laughs> no, them okay. all someday. But yeah. uh... there's a Blu-ray set that just came out of the first eight. And it's um, like twenty-five bucks. Yeah, it's dirt cheap, <laughs> but. I, I I do own Crystal Lake Memories. Oh, that's so good. Because God, do I love a behind-the-scenes documentary. Just do <laughs> yourself yeah, a favor. I, I own a, Oh, no, go yeah. ahead, sorry. I, I own a, the documentary I own about the series is longer than the one movie <laughs> of the series I own. Well, that, that documentary is like 13 or 14 hours, so that's fair. Um, don't watch that on YouTube. There's a, and now everybody's going to go watch it when I say don't go watch it, but there's a, uh, there's a, uh, <laughs> right. There's a documentary on YouTube. It's like 35 minutes. It's only about part three and it's horrible. I hate it. It sucks. I was so excited to watch it. It's awful. Don't go watch it. But, uh, the, the Friday the 13th fans are the first fans to bitch about how come there's not another movie. I want to see Jason in the snow. I want to see this. I want to see that. Here's my fan fiction. Um, but when a movie comes out and, and a company is like, hey, we're going to put this movie together, they shit all over it and they're like, well, I don't want that one. I want the one that I want. You suck and I hate you. Why can't you just enjoy the property? That's that's my number that's one. That's fair. I'll come back. To <laughs> my number two is is filled with slightly more venom, but go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> rotate around. I don't. I can't get so mad all at once. It's not healthy for me. My number one uh, is interesting to look at. Um, for me, the worst fandom ever is Doctor Who fans. Ooh. For multiple reasons, because you actually took one of mine. Types. <laughs> oh, good. I knew there better because I knew that was going to be on his list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There are multiple types of Doctor Who fans, and they're all terrible in their own way. So the, the first and the biggest thing, I think that Coran will agree with me on this, is somewhere along the lines, Doctor Who kind of got co-opted by the hipsters. And suddenly everything Doctor Who was hipstery, uh, even though nothing on the show was particularly hipstery. It just like they just sort of claimed that as this is our thing. Uh, I, I don't know why or when that happened, uh, but it sucks because I hate hipster fans. 
um, people who just buy the Doctor Who merchandise because it says Doctor Who and that's what hipsters are supposed to do. Uh, Then you've got the old school fans who have been there, you know, for years, for decades. um, And they like classic Doctor Who and they shit all over new Doctor Who. You know, the, the doctor is too young. He's too, he's too attractive. It's too much about the love story. You know, like they, they hated the thing, you know, the stuff with uh, Rose and Tenet and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you have the new fans who are annoying on a whole different level because they hate all the old stuff and they, <laughs> they ruin Capaldi's run because, oh, he's just an old guy. Why, you know, they're used to like the young, handsome doctors like Tenet and Matt Smith. And, and so, so all these different cross sections of fandoms come together and they're all just fucking terrible. And it all came to a head when uh, it was me and Julian and some people went to go see the, um, the Doctor Who 50th anniversary TV movie thing that they were showing in theaters. And every time fucking Tenet came up on screen, there were a bunch of teenage girls who would go, oh, and like chit-chatting and, and like wooing over him to the point that you couldn't hear dialogue over it. Uh, to the point that at one point, I think I yelled at some teenage girls sitting behind us because they, there was a cameo um, by uh, Tom Baker, uh, the fourth doctor, the best doctor. Um Mm. Literally, I couldn't hear his first two lines because girls were people were like, "Oh, is, is that the new doctor? Who is that? Who is that? Why is this guy?" Like they didn't know who he was, but they wouldn't shut up to let to, to hear what he was saying. And I said the best Doctor Julian to tee up my last thing about why Doctor Who fans are terrible is because every Doctor Who fan has their own favorite Doctor who was quote the best Doctor, and it will ins- you want you want to throw a grenade in a room and just watch a room tear itself apart. Go to any convention, sci-fi convention, and and say so. Uh, the, the the panel has it, or you know, we have a few minutes for the panel to start. So, so before we do, let's have a nice, fun uh, uh, discussion. Um, Matt Smith is the best doctor ever. Discuss, and then just walk out of the room and just watch the room tear itself apart. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I was so going to disagree. I was going to say first off, fuck Matt Smith. <laughs> Second off, <laughs> he knows what he did. Yeah. Second off, Eccleston, number nine, is the best doctor, and you can eat a dick. Third off, nobody knew who you were dressed up as, except for me, when we were watching that. And I think that was what, called the Three Doctors, or Day of the Doctors, or War Doctors? I don't know what the fuck it was called. Uh, Night of the Living Doctors. Dawn of the Doctors. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just had to remind everybody that Leather Jacket was the best. Well, no, see... Fashion attire by a doctor. The, the the Doctor Who fans I hated were like right when it got first, right when it first gained popularity in the United States, and it was like everyone who fucking watched Doctor Who thought they were the biggest intellectual because they're watching a quote foreign show. Go fuck yourself. Like the story I've always told, and the story I've told Flanagan, I think, heard this a couple times. Is I was in a comic shop and a complete fucking stranger starts making fun of me because I have a CM Punk shirt on. And she turns around, she's wearing like a tank top and she has a TARDIS tattooed on her shoulder. And she turns around and says, that's fucking typical. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I can take my fandom off. I can go home, I can take this off. You have to represent your trash all the time. <laughs> says the guy with an Undertaker tattoo. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that was when all I had. That was when all I had was the pie symbol. I'm covered in trash tattoos now. Um, but I mean, it's just like... <laughs> no, it's... Me- the- to make it a great complete point. fucking stranger. For... Well, I mean, that's just, that's people with no fucking social skills who gravitate yeah. towards hot topics where you seem to hang yeah. out quite a bit. But, yeah. Uh, 
But no, you hit a great point is that people just think they're so goddamn intellectual because they watch something off British television like the Sherlock fans. God, they're fucking insufferable as well. And then um, anybody like people talk about old school Black Adder and uh, Hugh Lord. What was it? uh, Stephen Laurie or Stephen Hugh or whatever the show was. And then uh, Deep Show. And yeah. And then Peep Show and all that other stuff that's like, yeah, it's good. It's just, it's not better just because it's British. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, yeah, Monty yeah. Python's hilarious. Some of their stuff's fucking stupid. I'm just, you know, <laughs> Flying Circus, it wasn't all fucking winners. Let me just tell you that. I've seen a lot of it. And it's like a lot of Doctor Who, like a, a lot of the original shit sucked. I was, I'll go out there and say it. It's fine. I love it, but it sucked. Just like Eccleston, the fucking yeah, the there's art monsters. There were some of those villains that were so terrible. Like the Daleks, I think are just so terrible, but I love them. But yeah, people are just fucking insufferable. Well, and that's yeah. the, the the thing that is is you know the fandom. It's not like a fandom where like the fans are sort of united on the things they like and don't like. In every fandom, you have people. You know, there there are people who support Jar Jar, the Star Wars fandom. But for the most part, they kind of go with you know you know Star Wars fans. I'll use them as an example. Like yes, they like. Um, you know, physical sets to be built. They like to have not the entire movie be CGI. They like to, you know, uh, they don't like Jar Jar Banks. Uh, that's pretty yeah. universal. Yeah. Uh, things like that. But the Doctor Who fandom, you can't call anything universal because you know, every few years they change doctors and they change companions and they change showrunners and they change writers and the whole show kind of gets a, a makeover, which is one of the reasons it's fun to watch is because. You know, if you don't like this particular incarnation of Doctor, give it a season. It'll probably change again. Um, it keeps things fresh and new. But yeah, there's lots of crap in there to feel like Julian pointed out. Uh, some of the early stuff is really kind of painful to watch because the show had no budget whatsoever. Um, but that's part of the charm of it too. But but that's the thing is 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 there's so many cross sections of fans and so many different groupings of fans and so many different like like you know there's the this Doctor is the best versus that Doctor is the best kind of stuff and. Every once in a while, they all just shut up and get together and, and come together to love the show itself. Um, but more often than not, it's the infighting and the debates and the the age gaps and just you know lots of different things not meshing together. And everybody knows the girl is the best doctor. Next, <laughs> I, I've yet I've st- I'm still like two seasons behind with Capaldi. I haven't seen an episode with her yet. I don't even think her episodes have started yet, have they? No, no, I, think uh, I don't know. I thought she, I don't she, she was, was on the Christmas special, but other than that, I don't know. I say it like I've watched more than one episode ever. No, like I'm an authority. Everybody yeah. knows the girl is the best. Uh, I almost flunked out of a, a class one time because I watched the series. <laughs> hey, Flanagan. Yes. You know what I fucking hate? Uh, Getting shampoo in your Showers. Eye. No. Uh, Indepe- independent your coworkers. wrestling. In- yeah, that's true. Independent wrestling fans. Oh, God, they're the worst. Uh, it is 2018 now. It is 2018. You know who's been signed by WWE for eight years? Seth freaking Rollins. You know what he hasn't gone by in almost a decade now? Tyler Black. Call him by his real name. It's not Steen. It's Owens now. Like, it, the most insufferable assholes that think they are, you know, just the smartest guys because, oh, well, you've been a Seth Rollins fan for a decade. I saw him at a show with 200 people back in 1999. Congratulations. Good for you. Uh, like the same, can you just imagine? Like, if there was some insufferable douchebag that was still calling the Undertaker mean Mark, 
from like 1989 in WCW. I can go ahead and settle this entire thing right now. You ready? Go ahead. As an independent wrestler. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> independent wrestling fans are the worst, and I hate you. There you go. It's just... From the source. Uh, yeah, independent wrestlers hate you. I, like... And, you know... There will always, on occasion, be that, like, one person and... Because, you know, Balor actually called out his fans on Instagram a few years ago because he was like, guys, literally, it's it's Finn Balor. I'm not Prince Devin anymore. And he did like the the, the Batman thing where Batman's slapping Robin and Robin's like, but you're Prince. And he's like, it's Finn Balor now. So good. I, I just like I don't understand it. Like when Apollo Crews debuted on the main roster, he'd been in NXT for like a year already. And there was still just like this small group of fucking smarky fans who tried to chant Ooha. Cause his independent pro wrestling name was, or his indie name was Uha nation. And Sorry. Like, he's oh. just Apollo now. Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to call him. It's like yeah, the he's, same douchebags that when Bray Wyatt <laughs> debuted, like when Bray Wyatt came out as Bray Wyatt on TV for the first time, they all try to start a Husky Harris chant. It's like, you're stupid. You're not doing anyone any favors. Like, I know you think you're funny, but you and your three friends aren't, and no one else likes you. Oh, so what you're saying is, um, um, that was boring. You're not funny, and nobody likes you. Is that what you're saying? Almost verbatim, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. It's, and it's true. And Julian, you thought you thought Flanagan was going to be the one to rant. Yeah, I did. I really did. He took it over. Do you want to? Do you want to know what I hate? Yes, always. Whenever these communist. weird, well, communist, yes, um, these weird fucking. It can be just about any fandom, but when all these fucking weirdos come out of the woodwork and they want the two main characters who just so happen to be heterosexual males, when they all they want to do is have them hook up. No, 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 no. Oh, whether it be Sam, whether it be, whether it be Sherlock and Watson, or whether it be Finn or uh, Poe and Finn in Star Wars, like, why did the two main characters, just because they're guys, why do you want to see them fuck each other? Like, I don't, I've never understood that. Like, because girls uh, are why, super what perverts, man. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I know they want diversity, but goddamn, Star Wars has been the most along with Star Trek has been the most diverse universe in history. Like why, what do we need to have every dude fuck every other dude? It doesn't make any sense. They're not John Barrowman. He does. He's not a space slut. He doesn't need to fuck everybody. Okay. As much uh, as I love he's, him. He's, he's omnisexual, not a slut. He's popular is what you're it's saying. Like you, <laughs> omnisexual. You're, exa- you're goddamn right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Like, why can't you just enjoy the characters? I, yes. Some of the love interests suck. Yes. Rose is a terrible love interest. Yes. She's a shitty character, but I just, I don't get it. Like they're just trying to cram too much diversity in or not too much diversity, but they're just trying to cram weird angles and make bullshit out of nothing. Just like JJ Abrams came out the other day and said that star Wars fans need to get with the times and appreciate stop being intimidated by strong female characters. Like, Fucker, did you not ever see Princess Leia? She fucking kicked ass. She was one of the strongest female characters in the history of cinema, and you're just basically eliminating her by saying that we're scared of women in power now, just because you got Ray and Rose and Captain Phasma. Like, go fuck yourself. I know you're trying to save the fucking universe, but Princess Leia is one of the greatest heroes of all time, and for you to call people out and saying that we're afraid of strong female characters is bullshit. Yeah, and your glasses look stupid. Go back to Star Trek, you fuck. You nerd. I like my glasses. Not you, J.J. Abrams. Oh. 
You suck. Oh. Go back and ruin Lost again, you idiot. <laughs> we'll yeah, keep fucking Cloverfield or whatever you're doing in the meantime. But it just aggravates the piss out of me that everybody just wants to throw all their fan fiction and make everything like fucking Fifty Shades with two dudes fucking. I don't. Quit there's nothing appealing every... about as <laughs> as much as I like incest. I don't want to see Sam and Dean Winchester <laughs> fuck each other. I'm just. I'm gonna go ahead and say that again. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You only say that because you haven't seen it yet. Once you see it, it will make total sense to you. Have you, they did that whole episode about the, the weird the South Park episode where they they. Say what? Were they what? South John Park? Bueller. That was perfect. He's, he's like that was the perfect time for the mic to drop out. Have you seen that episode where they click? Yeah, I've seen every episode. They all have sex oh, with each other. But it, I mean, I think I really think Supernatural handles it well because they got that weird meta episode where like they go to a supernatural con and like some of the yeah. books and their graphic novels and stuff. And some of the guys are dressed up like the two dudes that they're hanging out with. They're supposed to be Sam and Dean, but are actually lovers. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And I thought that turned this entire topic on its on its heel. And I thought that was just the perfect metaphor for this topic. We're not just partners. We're partners. Yeah, the part. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. That was. And then the look on their face where they're like, "Oh, we gotta go." We're yeah, done. we'll uh, see you guys next time. Yeah, but Supernatural is good about that, where they have like one episode every season or so. That's like you on paper, you think it's gonna be dumb as hell, but then you watch it and you're like, "Okay, that was actually pretty cool." The uh... yeah, like they save themselves every once in a while. Like it's like. A tw- 19 episodes of just bullshit and then yeah. the one episode is like fuck now i gotta come back and watch more where like they go to the real world where there's a show called supernatural starring jensen ackles and jared padalecki married fake ruby yeah or uh, yeah. apparently this season Crippy. is uh they're doing a scooby-doo crossover okay oh, so it's like on paper you're like this is gonna fail miserably this is gonna be horrible and then you watch it and you're like okay like like or um where they say they they find this set of books called Supernatural starring Sam and Dean Winchester, and it's like every episode is a book, and you're like, okay, that's dumb. And then it turns out to be one of the best plot points in the in the entire first five seasons. So they have a way of... Yeah, I thought that musical episode was going to suck, but yeah. it was pretty awesome. They have a way of uh, going into the episode. Yeah, I, I really... <laughs> and coming out smelling like a rose is how that ended, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have another one, I guess. Do it. So, so I mean, this is kind of one that's at the forefront because the Szechuan sauce just got debuted oh at McDonald's God. this week. But the Rick and Morty fans, like, God damn. I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan. Like, I've got, I just bought, like, this crazy hoodie that's got all the different characters and stuff on it. I've got the portal gun. I've got all the pops. I've watched season three almost four times now. Like, I love it. I just sit and, like, look up random Rick and Morty shit every once in a while. But it's just, oh, God damn. It's just, it's as bad as fucking uh, Doctor Who fans or Sherlock fans. I mean, it's just, everybody thinks it's so intellectual. And it is. It's super intellectual. But people think that they they get it and nobody else does. And they're the the expert on it. And they, they hit out, or they try and hit up Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. And they try and prove all these theories and all this other shit. And, like, it's just... It's a fucking cartoon, man. It's it's a it started out as a spoof of Back to the Future, and now it's kind of taking on its own thing. But 
to go into a, a restaurant and like raise hell and destroy the fucking place because you couldn't get a nugget dipping sauce. Like it's just reevaluate your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reevaluate yourself or reevaluate your life at the top of the Eiffel tower as you're jumping off of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very quick evaluation. <laughs> yeah. Because you're an asshole and there's no reason to get that bent out of shape, but well, that, really, that brings really, up an interesting point. I really want to try that Szechuan sauce, Morty. I got to get that Szechuan sauce. <laughs> it's all about the sauce. I think every fandom has that one group of fans who take it just too far. Uh, and and it's, 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 you know, maybe I'm not the best person to bring it up because, you know, I, I cosplay and shit. But there's always that one person who just has to, like, prove that they're a bigger fan than you or they're a better fan than you. Because their costume is screen accurate? Well, no, just I mean, it could be any. You know, they know more than you do, or they've been a fan longer than you have, or they have a tattoo of this thing and you don't, or you know, they they uh, their entire wardrobe looks just like Dean and, and yours doesn't. And like, you know, there's always that one guy or person that I mean to be sexist. There's always that one asshole that has to somehow be a bigger or better or or you know, be a fan of it longer than everybody else has. Where like it's it's like they define themselves by they're a fan of this thing, and that you know that's every every you know, TV show, novel series, whatever. There's always that one person uh, who just, just defines themselves by being a fan of that thing. And they just become insufferable for it. And they're the like the weird Al fans who like the original songs and not the parodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always that. There's always somebody. <laughs> and I think we talked about this a little bit when we did uh, some Ghostbuster stuff, but there's, you know, cause I see that a lot in that fandom too, but there's, there's always somebody who, has to constantly be one-upping everybody else and, and prove that they're, like I said, a bigger fan or a better fan or, you know, whatever, uh, that you're not a real fan because blah, blah, blah. They are the saddest people of all because they base their identity on their fandom. Yeah. Yep. You didn't storm McDonald's to eat your Szechuan sauce, Julian. You're not a real Rick and Morty fan. Yeah, yeah well, there's infinite timelines, you, you motherfucker. You didn't McDonald's because they ran out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used my portal gun to go to another dimension and get the fucking Szechuan sauce, you fucking plebe. Get out of here, you peasant. Where they actually had enough for everybody. That, oh. that timeline, it was uh, in plentiful supply. It never went out of style. They've had it since yeah, 98. Because in, the, in those timelines, Mulan was such a big hit that the sauce just stayed around forever. They're on Mulan 9 now. <laughs> Thank God we're not. Can you wait? <laughs> I cannot wait for the live action Mulan. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, Somehow Chris Tucker's going to end up in it, but it's still going to be pretty good. Do I you think. understand the words yeah, that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> they, they're know. not using Eddie Murphy anymore. It's going to be Chris Tucker is Wushu, the dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we just pr- yeah. start instituting the rule that Chris Tucker plays Eddie Murphy in anything? Well, he can play <laughs> Prince, too. So Yeah, that's true. Chris mm-hmm. Tucker as Eddie Murphy in The Nutty Professor 3. The Charlie Murphy story? Oh, I, I wish. So. Charlie Murphy! I wish. <laughs> Any oh, other yeah, terrible right. fandoms? No, let's move on, because we're running out of time. Okay. Our studio okay. time is running out. Yeah, I'm about to piss myself. Don't do that. His eyes are turning yellow. Let's do this. Nothing for that? All right, fair enough. So another common thing. I'm not funny and nobody likes me. Go I thought he was shuffling notes. I was waiting for John to take off. I thought that was a pretty good setup. I, I yeah. thought so. I don't know. I got nothing. That's where I was. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hello? 
Hi. Welcome to okay. our show. I was talking and everyone has talked over. Okay. So, yeah, something else that happens across all fandoms and across all media. Uh, something we call the Boba Fett syndrome, which is a character is, is introduced or set up. And at first you think, wow, that character's kind of badass. I can't wait to see where this character is going to go. And then they're unceremoniously just gotten rid of uh, the wasted character. Uh, so today we're going to talk about some of the most wasted characters in history. And there are many. Uh, the easy, the, the low-hanging fruit is uh, the Star Wars universe. Um, yes. You can, yes. You can throw yeah. a rock out your window and hit 12 of them, whether it's uh, Captain Phasma, Darth Maul, uh, Boba Fett, his brother Bob Fett. Um, you know, any of those holiday characters, special. <laughs> from the holiday special, uh, even, even stuff like Dengar and Bosk, um, Greedo, mm-hmm. all those awesome characters that had so much potential that just kind of like, <laughs> and just never mind. Uh, even when they use them for advertising packaging, um, I've got, I've got one that, uh, I wish was so much better. And it was really underwhelming. Could have been really cool. Great actor, great character. Uh, a lot of people hate the movie Jamie Foxx as Electro in Amazing oh, yeah. Spider-Man 2. What a waste of a great actor in a really, like, to the slightly left-of-center character in a, in a better universe, and you completely waste it, and bleh. Of course, I had to make interesting a, pick. I had to make a Spider-Man reference, of course. Uh, I'm down with it. I yeah, know. I mean, I I actually yeah. agree. I mean, I think. What do you mean, actually? Like, I don't make good picks. <laughs> anyway, continue. Huh? You were saying well, no, you were say, saying you actually, agree with me. Go ahead. I, I do agree with you, and <laughs> I actually remember enjoying Amazing Spider-Man two the first time I saw it. Then I tried to rewatch it. Ooh, yeah. And that was a mistake. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. Yeah, not good. It, it, it does not hold up is part of the problem. Um, it was either that. It was either pick Electro or pick uh, Whiplash from Iron Man 2. Uh, I think Whiplash. Yeah. Whiplash was fantastic, yeah. So it was, it was one of those two that I, I didn't know which one to pick. So I went with Electro because I love Spider-Man. And that, that whole thing, what happens to him, got yeah, spoiled fair. for me. And I got pissed. Yeah. Let's. Uh, it was so bitter. I'm gonna actually kind of stick with your thread and theme of characters. Who I feel like weren't who like they weren't the main focus. They were just left of the main character in a uh, series that ended up dying after this movie. And I'm gonna go with Hannibal King Ooh. from Blade Trinity. Yeah, here's your first Ryan Reynolds reference huh? of the episode. Um, <laughs> woo woo woo. <laughs> Wait, they made a movie after Blade 2? Apparently. Uh, <laughs> so they say. Uh, but Never forget. Nobody saw it, though. I mean, you know, apparently filming it was just a train wreck. Wesley Snipes had his head up his own ass and everything. He didn't get along with the director. But they just set up such awesome characters with um, Whistler's daughter and Ryan Reynolds, uh, Jessica Biel, I think. Yep. Yes. Yeah, the Night Stalkers. The entire premise seemed awesome and cool, but it it felt like it never got to get fleshed out in a movie of just 
an hour in it or almost two hours of things that just never got fleshed out. Uh, but yeah, I really would have liked had, to have seen that character was to his full potential. Had Trinity done better, that was the plan, was to spin them off in their own movie. Because there's actually a deleted ending on the, the DVD set where it, it shifts focus to them uh, hunting stuff that aren't vampires. Hmm. Yeah, that that was the intention was to to set them up to go on and then no, yeah, Trinity was dog shit, so they didn't get to go and do anything more with that. But yeah, it's a good pick, solid pick. I wouldn't, uh, not one of the ones that would have uh, yeah, just sprung to the top of my head. It's a good pick. My heart Thank thanks you. you for that pick. Great pick. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. So I've got one that uh, the character was good while she was around. My problem is they completely wasted the potential of this character and that is uh shadow from arrow uh if you're familiar with the character in the comics she's huge she's a huge character in the the saga of oliver queen uh she's a japanese uh assassin who also uses uh she was introduced in the the storyline longbow hunters where she comes to town and starts taking people out everyone blames it on green arrow because there can't be two psychos running around shooting people with arrows. No, not allowed. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but the character kept coming back, and they developed this really rich history between her and Oliver. They had a child together. Um, she was basically the Catwoman and his Batman, like a really big, important character. Uh, so I was really excited when they introduced that character or a version of her in season one of Arrow. Um, on the island flashbacks. I was like, oh, wow, we're doing Shadow already? This is going to be awesome. And then, you know, season two came in, and they, they brought in Deathstroke as the big bad. And I was like, oh, so we're, we're already in season two, starting to get to where things that happened in the flashbacks on the, on the island are starting to come back and wreak havoc on Oliver's life in the present and, you know, in Star City. That's awesome. They've got to be doing Shadow. They've got to be setting her up because, you know, they, they said they had a romantic relationship. I was like, all right, so that's going to sour it's going to end bad, and then she's going to come back as, like, the badass assassin. And then, spoiler alert, they kill her off in, like, the first six episodes of season two. Boo. And, it, yeah, it was just, like, real, like so much potential for this character to be an amazing villain, an amazing character in her own right. To, to be someone who, like, Catwoman kind of, like, plays her own side, isn't really a good guy or a bad guy. Um, and they've written characters who kind of take the place of that you know, of Shadow, but um, just it it pissed me off because you know I was like when they first brought her in I was so excited and I was like oh that's awesome they're already setting that character up and then they just pissed it away. I agree because that was uh, when I was you know I was super into Arrow for the first few seasons uh, and yeah. I remember being disappointed partially because you were so hyped and then you got me hyped and then yeah done she's a she's a huge character in the Arrowverse, and i was so excited that they in season one were bringing her in because i felt like okay good they they get this character they understand how important of a character she'll be that's awesome and then nope i was wrong sorry mistake yeah yeah very lame Mm mm-hmm Karan, Julian? Well, I already said one, so... Well, I was just going to kind of piggyback on uh, Flanagan. Like, you have really cool villains, and then, like, Whiplash, 
and then you just kind of use them for part of one movie, then you get rid of them. That, I mean, that's basically been Marvel's calling card for most of their movies is that they, they always have a villain problem there. It's hard to establish a good villain and a good villain and sustain them. And I think a really good example, because everybody's fucking wet in their panties about it is black Panther. Like Killmonger is set up as a great uh, villain. He's a great foil while it's, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very rehashed fucking uh, plot. Like, and everybody knew exactly what was going to happen. He set up as a badass villain and he comes in he's got some great lines he's got some really cool scenes um like the hey auntie that's one of the best lines in the whole movie but he's just set up to be this badass and then you have one fight like i really think he was underused and that you could have used him you could have i don't know had a like a almost like a rogue rogues gallery kind of like batman does you just take all these villains you don't kill them but then you put them together and then they come back and fight i know that's kind of what they're doing with infinity war but i just really think killmonger and michael b jordan especially was too good of an actor and he made too much of an impact in his minimal amount of screen time i just think he was underused and it was kind of wasted on that movie yeah he doesn't really come into the plot until like 45 minutes in yeah he's a late bloomer and then he has what he's there for he's good but yeah, and I mean, he's made out to be this badass. You know, he was a special forces. Every uh, scar he has is a death. You know, that's kind of lame, whatever. It's more Punisher than anything. But he, he comes out and he's a badass and he kicks the shit out of the Black Panthers. Everybody knows. And then, you know, they have an, a fight at the end. But it's, and then everything he was actually standing for, the Black Panther adopts at the end. But it's just, he was a badass. You set him up to be a badass and then you kill him. And then it's like, well, now what? It's the same way it is with every other Marvel villain except for Loki and. That's about it. I mean, even um, uh, Kurt Russell, like he was awesome. He was a great villain, but you kill him at the end. So then there's no potential for him to come back. It just, I'm all, I I just want a a villain other than, I know they're getting ready to do Thanos is going to be spread out over, this will be what, four movies now, but I just wish they'd come up with another villain that was half as good. And isn't a pussy like Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a pussy like Magneto and have the world in your hand (sighs) and then just, oh God, Charles, you remind me of my mother. And then let's go play chess in prison. Like, stop being bitches. Like, kill people. Like, be villains. Stop being sissies. We need the evil Forbush man. Well, maybe they're (laughs) to be the bad guy in the next Marvel phase. And speaking of Spider Man, other than Vulture. Really, who is left alive? They've killed everybody else off, haven't they? Well, pretty much, yeah. Well, no, because we we reboot Spider-Man universe. Yeah. So yeah. So now everybody's right. back, come back now. You get what I'm saying? There was all the other Marvel movies like Whiplash yeah. and everybody else. Like, there's really other than who the else are they going to bring back for Iron Man? Justin Hammer? I mean, uh, who the fuck? Well, who wait, the fuck's he going? In in Spider-Man, everybody but Uncle Ben is still alive because we've done the reboot. <laughs> pretty much. Oh. So. You know, everybody uh, else is fair game. Hopefully Marvel's fixing that because they introduced in Civil War that the raft, the the floating island underwater prison exists that was clearly built not just you know for the Avengers to be cooped up in. So hopefully they're they're making strides towards maybe we don't kill every villain at the end of every movie and we at least like leave the door open for them to come back. Um, they kind of did that with Red Skull, but um, Hugo Weaving doesn't want any part of it anymore, so they're, they're kind of like they could bring him back, but they have to recast him. So uh, must be yeah, nice no, to hate point. money. <laughs> must be nice to not need any money, you dickhead. He's got that Middle Earth cash coming in. Man. I He's guess good. you jerk. Send some my way, and then do that movie. <laughs> Bastard. I'm just grumpy. I guess I don't know. I'm just. 
Just that's fair. I don't know. Okay. Any other so wasted characters? Got, well, yeah. yes, but it's two characters that would have potential, but they're already in a shitty movie. Uh oh. Um, I, I've tried, and I, I have a soft spot in my heart for I think the first two or three movies. But by the time we get to the fifth Resident Evil movie and we're introducing Barry and Leon Kennedy as just throwaway nobody characters, yeah, all you're going to do is piss me off. Um, you're they taking so bad. literally two of the most iconic guys from the first four games. Leon might actually be like the most iconic character with the exception of like Chris and Claire Redfield. But I mean... The, there's no introduction. They're just part of this group who's going in after Alice. And it's just like, what? Why? Why are we doing this? Why is this happening? But again, it was two characters that have potential, but they're already just in a shit franchise and given shit roles. So. Reboot. <laughs> Thank God. Just hit that hard reset <laughs> button. It worked for the games. We can do it with the movies. That's like uh, starting next week, uh, Talk Nerdy to Me is getting a hard reboot with uh, Patrick Bateman. Is going to be Wait, the host what? of the show. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's Talk Nerdy okay. to Me with Patrick Bateman. And, All right, then. And uh, uh, Chevy Chase. Sorry. What? <laughs> what a weird combo that would be. That's the new show. Sorry. We're all okay. Fired. We're all fired. I forgot to tell everybody we're all fired. Except for Paul Frankie. For some reason, Paul Frankie is the only one that gets to stay. Well, that's fair weird. Enough. It's weird. I don't know. Whatever. I just wanted to reference Patrick Bateman. That's all I all Yeah, I that was on a left field. You know, you like that? You haven't heard much from him lately, have you? <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah. That's just how it goes. All right, what else we got? Wasted characters. I, I think that's it. Is that it? Is, is that... I've got one more. It's also in the MCU. Okay. Um, Hawkeye. Ooh, I like Jeremy Renner yeah. in this role. I like this character. Uh, I have big gripes with how Marvel has handled the character so far. Uh, and I'm not saying he needs to get his own movie. I don't think every character needs their own movie. But... In you know the first time we see him, it's it's the Avengers, and he spends three fourths of the movie being mind controlled by Loki, so it doesn't really get to exactly be Hawkeye. Then the second movie, we introduce the whole storyline of him having a wife and kids hidden away. <sighs> I get why that works for the story of Age of Ultron, but it is a huge disservice to the character because if you read Hawkeye in the comics, he is the quintessential slob uh, bachelor. Uh, which is part of where his 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 dumb charm comes in. Um, we got to see a little bit more of his, his person in Civil War. Um, you know, where he shows up in in uh, Scarlet Witch's community. Clint, what are you doing here? Is like disappointing my kids. Uh, you know, we got to see him. You know, kind of quip and in, in in be a, a rounded person. Uh, but that's it. 
uh, just, he's such an awesome character. He would he would he would have been an amazing Netflix uh, series character, um, and especially if you get into the uh, like the Matt Fraction stuff, where it's just you know it's what he does when he's not being an Avenger, uh, where he's you know fighting thugs in his apartment complex stuff like that. Um, an amazing uh, wealth of potential for that character that Marvel just seems to keep sort of mishandling. Like they don't quite know what to do with him. You also described him as the uh, the Koran of the Marvel Universe because he's the uh, bachelor, slobby slob, bachelor. yeah, slobby bachelor with yeah. the, the heart of gold that has a secret family that nobody knows about. That was with like the dog named Pizza. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like literally dead up Koran. <laughs> like to a T. I feel like you should sue them for royalties because obviously he's got that. based on you. Working on it. He's got that family hidden <laughs> away in that farm upstate. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, got, he's got a family there that he sometimes lets out of the basement. And I think you guys all know what I'm growing on that farm. So, Oh, jeez. Cotton. Oh, no. Mm, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. It's more of an herb Tobacco? type. Uh, more herbish. Uh, oregano. Uh, less herbish. Uh, <laughs> parsley flakes. <laughs> Oregano. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oregano. Oregano. So you want to call Ninja Gay Dan? The, 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 the Simpsons yes. pronunciation. <laughs> Oregano? What the hell is that? I don't know. Actually, it's a tomato farm. Yeah. <laughs> the old tomato. Uh, well, I think if there's no more wasted characters, I think for the first time in a little while, I get to play this one. Um, because I think it's true. I think we're out of time in the studio. It's true. So with that, Obi-John Kenobi, do me a favor. A personal favor that I will be indebted to you for. Okay. Get your Star Wars holiday Bob Fett commemorative trading card. <laughs> From the holiday special. From the holiday special. <laughs> and you th- yep, Bob Fett. Bob Fett card. Autographed. Limited edition trading card. And throw it in the air like you just don't care. Because, my friend. Till we meet again. Sammy Davis Jr. saying, uh, be kind, be nice, and I hope the next performer has the pleasure of having as nice an audience as you've been tonight. And let me leave you swinging. <laughs>